Good afternoon, Memorial Baptist friends and family, and welcome back to our midweek edition of our podcast for August 26, uh, 2020. I hope you're having a great week. Um, last weekend, I had a great weekend visiting our new grandson up in Floyd Data, Texas. Uh, his name is Nash Ridgely Adams, and he belongs to Nathan and Ashley, and his big sister Raylan was there. And uh, what a joy it was to visit with them overnight and have a little fun with them and be able to hold that little baby. Uh, What a precious gift from God. Um, I hope you're having a great week. You know, many of the schools in our area are uh, back in session, and uh, if only online. I know uh, my wife's school district, the Colleen ISD, is going to be having in-person students on uh, August the 31st. So they've moved up their date and will be starting in-person school August 31st. Um, Please continue to pray for our teachers, our administrators, our students, since this is a very difficult transition for everyone involved. And um, I also want to give out a uh, give a happy, happy birthday to uh, Helen Sperlin today. Uh, Today is her birthday and uh, we wish her a happy birthday. And um, we are going to continue meeting in, for in-person worship on Sunday mornings at 1045. So please join us if you can. You know, Miss Casey Jumper, our children's minister, is now hosting kids' worship in the fellowship hall at the same time as our morning worship. So bring your children, uh, mask up, and come out and join us uh, in worship of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, Brother Jeff Watts is leading our student ministry and their meeting Uh, on Wednesday evenings between 6 and 7 in the Fellowship Hall. Uh, They meet there so that the social distancing can be carried out and the other protocols uh, like disinfecting and uh, wearing masks and such. So uh, the youth are meeting, though, on Wednesday evenings from 6 to 7. We are meeting in person also in the college room for a midweek prayer service at 6 p.m. on Wednesdays as well. So mask up and come and join us. These are the ministries that we're currently engaging in. We're hoping to be adding ministries as we continue to open up. Uh, God has been so good and so faithful to us. What a blessing it is. You know, Brother Braden Tanner, he's doing a great job reaching out to our college students. Uh, Tonight, they begin their college uh, groups on campus, their challenge groups uh, on the UMHB campus. And Braden told me that he has uh, three separate groups that will be meeting on campus starting this evening. And, um, you know, we've even seen a large contingent of university students coming to our in-person worship on Sunday morning. You know, if for some reason uh, along the way, if you do happen to get COVID, um, please call the church office and let us know if you test positive for uh, the coronavirus. Uh, We need that information to figure out maybe who else was exposed or maybe infected so they can get tested as well. We want to be good citizens and neighbors and doing our part to limit the spread of this virus among us. But as I've said before, if you have questions or concerns, please call us. I know this isn't easy on any of us making these decisions and trying to figure out what to do. But uh, each of us should assess our risk individually and in relation to our own families. And please exercise the freedom and the good sense to do what you need to do, extending to grace to others as they do the same thing.
You know, before we look at our scripture passage tonight, I'd like to uh, uh, pray for us, and I'm going to ask you to pray with me uh, as I lead us in prayer. Loving Father, I thank you for this time, and I thank you for how you guide us and lead us, and I ask, Father, that you would just continue to show yourself mighty in our nation. I thank you, Father, that, that you brought this nation into being, and we are the freest country in the world, and Father, we have the freedom to meet and to uh, assemble and to worship as as we see um, fit. And so I pray, Father, that you would preserve this this union, this great nation, and that you would do it for your glory. Um, I pray, Father, for the unrest that is going on. Um, I pray that people uh, would calm down and that they would find peace instead of uh, rioting and looting and, and uh, resorting to violence. But, Father, that cooler heads would prevail, that self-discipline would prevail. Father, that you would just bring a calming spirit over the this nation. And Father, that we would see your victory in all of this. That Father, what the enemy meant for evil, that you would make something good come out of it. Father, I know you do that every day in our lives, and I know that you can do that in our nation. And so we trust you in that. We know that you are sovereign in all things, and so we we call out to you, Father, help us. We need your help. Lord, I, I thank you for the revivals that have been going on this week. I thank you for the, the reap revival out in Pendleton. And I thank you for uh, Brother Herman and Brother Ernie as they uh, lead out in that. Thank you for Brother Tim Rudolph and his wife, Teresa, uh, serving as an interim pastor out there and, and just guiding that, that uh, congregation. Um, I pray, Father, that you would draw someone to you, that you would reveal to them who it is you would have lead that church uh, going into next year. And, Father, that you would just uh, do that for your glory and your honor. It's your work, Father, and you created it. You designed it a long time ago, and you know exactly who you have for that congregation. So I pray that you would just reveal that to them and to that, that pastor, whoever it might be. Father, I thank you for uh, how you love us. I thank you for um, our body. I thank you for those who are uh, are hurting. I pray that you would be with them in a special way. I want to lift up the Morehouse family, especially Christy. I pray that you would just continue to touch her body. I pray, Father, for healing. That, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would heal, um, heal her. Uh, I pray for her family. I pray that you would encourage them and that they would be lifted up. Father, that they would uh, see your glory in all of this. Father, I lift up Sheila Hubbard to you. I know she had um, shoulder surgery last week, so I pray that you would touch her shoulder, that you would bring healing to her. Pray for her and Steve. I pray that you would just bless them and Father, I know they've been through a lot the last few years, and I just pray that you would continue to show yourself mighty in their in their cause, Father. Lord, I lift up our senior adults. I pray that you would just encourage them today, wherever they are, that they would uh, sense your presence with them. Father, that they would know that, um, that you love them and that you are pleased and that you uh, care very much for them. I pray, Father, that in their aloneness, Father, that they would sense you right there with them every step of the way. Uh, Father, thank you for your great love for us. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice on the cross, and thank you for how you have blessed us. And, um, Father, how our salvation has been sealed for all eternity. What a joy it is to know you, Father, and it's our joy to worship you. I pray for our teachers and our administrators as they go back to school and are trying to figure out and make sense of uh, how to do the instruction online and and in person, uh, some of them even at the same time. I pray, Father, for those who are making decisions. I pray that you would just give them wisdom and show them what you desire. Father, I pray for wisdom for all of us that during these crazy times, during this pandemic, during all of the junk that is going on right now, I pray, Father, that you would give us wisdom to clearly hear your voice and that we would follow you, Father, uh, whatever you lead us to, uh, Father, that we would just uh, follow you in that. Lord, we, we know that you are always with us. Your word, your promise is that you will be with us to the end of the age. So, Father, we're not wringing our hands. We're not caught up in it. We're not worrying about it. We're just asking that you would show yourself mighty in all things for your glory and for your honor. Lord, what a joy it is just to, to call you our Father. And so uh, guide us in your word. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher and our guide. And Father, that today you would, uh, even today, transform our lives uh, for your glory. And we ask all this in the, the precious name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Man, oh man, we've been, we've been in Hebrews um, chapter 9. And tonight, we're, this afternoon, we're going into chapter 10. And uh, we're going to read down through verse 10 in chapter 10 of Hebrews. And, you know, this lesson is somewhat of a special message in the exposition of the book of Hebrews. Because in Hebrews 10, uh, beginning in verse 18, we're not going to end up there yet tonight, but uh, that verse 18 ends the, the doctrinal section uh, of this book of Hebrews. Um. I think all of us would agree that there have been some deep, deep truths presented in the first 10 chapters. But starting with the next passage after, you know, beginning um, in verse 19 of chapter 10, um, we're going to study about some, it's kind of the practical section, if you will, of Hebrews. And I don't know about you, but I'm personally anxious to get more into practical application of God's Word uh, to our lives. You know, the author of Hebrews, you remember, is, is writing to a group of professing Hebrew Christians who are seriously uh, considering leaving Christianity and going back into Judaism because of the uh, persecution they were experiencing as Christians. And they began to rationalize their faith and compromise the truth. They were asking, why can't I believe in Christ in the Old Testament sense? For that was good enough to save Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the other Jews up to the, the death of Christ. Why can't I do that? And the author of Hebrews counters all of the arguments of these professing Hebrew Christians by showing that Christ's sacrifice for sin is the supreme sacrifice, and that one sacrifice is the fulfillment and end of all the Old Testament sacrifices. See, the author's ultimate point is that there is no salvation apart from the death of Jesus Christ for sin and for sinners. 
let's let's look as we look in chapter ten. We'll look at the the design behind Christ's sacrifice. Uh, I want to read down through verse four, and then we'll we'll talk about it, and then we'll move on. Hebrews chapter ten, verse one begins this way. It says, "For the law, since." It has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things can never by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise they would not have ceased to be offered because the worshipers having once been cleansed would no longer have had consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins year by year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Let's stop there for just a moment. The writer says, For the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things. Folks, this is the clearest statement in the whole Bible that the Mosaic law was designed by God to be a type, a picture, a shadow that pointed forward to Christ who was to come. The Old Testament dealt with shadows, but the New Testament deals with the actual substance of Jesus Christ and the new spiritual economy He brought in His life, death, resurrection, and ascension. The shadow, you know, is a faint outline, but the form is a complete and perfect likeness. You know, when an artist considers or conceives a picture in his mind or her mind, they sketch the outline and then they paint the actual picture. The Old Testament sacrifices were but a faint outline of the finished product, which was Jesus Christ. This passage says that uh, can never by the same sacrifices which they continually they offer continually year by year make perfect those who draw near it can never make perfect those who draw near see the old testament system in itself could not save a person because only the death of christ has been the basis of salvation for all believers of all time old testament sins were saved by god's grace through faith in the messiah to come but Old Testament sacrifices in themselves could not make a person perfect before God because they were only shadows and not the actual substance. It's like going to a, a sign out on the highway for Whataburger and, and ordering a Whataburger. It's just a sign. It's a shadow of, of the real thing. But when the real thing comes, it, it, there's actually something there, and that's that was Jesus Christ. It's like, the, the Old Testament sacrifices were just a shadow of that, not the actual substance. So, for people to be saved, they must be perfect, for only perfect people can have fellowship with a perfect God. And obviously there are no perfect people, but there is one who was and is perfect, and that's Christ Jesus. Those who receive Christ by faith have the death of Christ applied to them, and they receive a perfect standing or a perfect position before God. See, all true believers in Christ stand perfected in Christ, and that is why they are accepted by God. 
Every Christian in his experience still sins, but his position in Christ is perfect. We were buried in Christ. We were buried with Christ. For I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. So the believer's position is perfected in Christ before Almighty God. I love that. It says in this passage in verse 2, Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered because the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have had consciousness or a conscience of sins. So Old Testament saints made repeated animal sacrifices for their sins, and each year the high priest in Israel made a sacrifice on the Day of Atonement for the sins of ignorance done by the people. It was actually it was a repeated process and could never cleanse the conscience of sins. Only Christ's death can actually cleanse one's conscience. So verse, and it says, How much more will the blood of Christ cleanse your conscience from dead works? to serve the living God in Hebrews 9.14. See, the Old Testament animal sacrifices merely covered sins until Christ would come to die for sin. Each year the debt of sin for every true believer in Israel was covered but not taken away. The debt continued to pile up against the Old Testament believer and this debt was not paid until Christ died for sins. See, the covering of Israel's sins and the debt accruing against them is like maybe a, a woman in, in her home who keeps sweeping dirt under the rug. Each sweeping of dirt accumulates, but there is a day coming when the dirt will be taken away by a thorough house cleaning. That's Jesus Christ. For all of those sins that were piled up, that were covered, Jesus Christ came and took them away. It says, But in these sacrifices there is a reminder of sins year by year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. See, each time an Old Testament believer offered an animal sacrifice, he was reminded of his sins, and he made offering over and over again. The Old Testament worshiper should have understood that his sins were covered but not taken away. Yet these sins would one day be paid for by Christ. For these Hebrew Christians to go back to Judaism would actually take them away from the real Christ and real salvation. Christians today do not remember their sins constantly, but they remember the one who took away their sins, Jesus Christ. So now, now let's look at the, that was the design, but now let's look at the source of Christ's sacrifice. We're going to look in verse 5 through 7 here. This is what uh, it says. It says, Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. 
See, God's real desire was not the death of sacrificed animals, but the death of his son, Jesus Christ. God was really not pleased with the Old Testament sacrificial system because it would not forgive sins, but only covered them. In one sense, God never cared a snap a snap of his fingers for all the rivers of blood that flowed on Jewish altars. Christians 200 years ago used to sing this song, Not all the blood of bulls on Jewish altars slain could give the guilty conscience peace or wash away the stain. See, God was pleased when Old Testament saints offered sacrifices because this was a demonstration of their faith in God and, a, and to the promise of the Messiah to come. However, God only delighted in animal sacrifices as they pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb who takes away the sin of all in the world who lay hold of Him by faith. These animal sacrifices, they pointed forward to Christ's body, which had been prepared by God. Christ's body was specifically prepared by all the members of the triune God. In the eternal counsels of God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit agreed that Christ, the second person of the Trinity, would leave heaven's glory, take upon himself a sinless human nature, and die on the cross for the sins of God's people. When Jesus was uh, being formed in the Virgin Mary's womb, a miracle was taking place. God was preparing the perfect body to be a sacrifice for sins. Christ was a lamb slain in the eternal plan of God. Consider 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. It says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. And then in Revelation 13, verse 8, 13.8, it says, All who dwell on earth will worship him. Everyone whose name has not been written in the, from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. Oh, man. You know, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing when your name is written in the, the Lamb's book of life. You know, verse 7 here says, Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. In the eternal counsels of God, it was written that Christ would do the Father's will. We know from the Gospels that Christ always did the will of God in life, but the primary place that Christ did the Father's will was at the cross. There he died for sinners. He died for us. There he solved the sin problem. He paid the sin debt. Calvary was the ultimate performance of the Father's will. 
See, Christ's death was no afterthought in God's mind. His death was no accident, but was planned by God in the eternal decree. God sent the Son, and Christ voluntarily submitted himself to the Father's will, and he redeemed God's people forever. The very source of Christ's sacrifice was the sovereign will of Almighty God. That's the source of his sacrifice. Now let's look at the character of his sacrifice in verse 8 and 9. It says in verse 8, After saying above, Sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. The whole animal sacrifice system was based on the Mosaic law. But neither the law nor the animal sacrifices could save people. However, most Jews had perverted the intention of the law and felt they could only be saved if they kept the works of the law. I love this because he said, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. See, Christ's sacrifice was based on his own character. He voluntarily gave himself in obedience that he might redeem the true people of God. You know, we read in Ephesians, it says, Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, Ephesians 5.25. Or in John 10, verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Or in Matthew 1.21, it says, And you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. See, Christ's death brought an end to the Mosaic Law, the Old Covenant, and established the New Covenant. The death of Christ was not only the beginning of something new, but it was also the final and complete termination of the Old. I love that. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. So lastly, this afternoon, I want to look at the, the purpose of Christ's sacrifice. Verse 10 says this, it says, By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh my goodness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. By this will we have been sanctified. See, animal sacrifices could not save rational human beings. But in Christ, there is real salvation. You know, sanctification, that big $5 word there, in this context means to be set apart. And it refers to salvation. I mean, that is, when a Christian is positionally set apart to God, at the moment of salvation. It's equivalent to Paul's teaching of justification by his blood in Romans 5, 9. 
See, believers have fellowship with Christ because of Christ's work for their sins. Christ's death occurred to save us and to set us apart to fellowship with God. So why did Christ save us? Why did he save us? To accomplish God's will. All true believers in Christ have been, are, and will be saved by God's will. Each and every Christian is saved because of God's will. For our salvation is part of the eternal purpose of God. Ephesians 1 verses 4 and 5 says, Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before God, in Him He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ Himself, according to the kind intention of His will. Verse 11 of that same chapter, Ephesians 1, says, Also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. I love this. It was the Father's eternal will that sent the Son to be a sacrifice for our sins, and it was the same will that planned our salvation in the eternal councils. In the last part of verse 10, it says, Through the offering of the blood of Jesus, once for all. The purpose of Christ's sacrifice was to save the people of God. Christ positionally sanctified people through His sacrificial death, His death on the cross. Christ offered His his holy, sinless body as a sacrifice for our sins. As it says in 1 Peter 2.24, And He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Christ's sacrifice, His sacrifice on the cross, His death for our sins, is once and for all and forever. His death has provided a total, complete, and perfect salvation for sin and for sinners. And this salvation is offered to all and anyone who will believe and put their faith in Jesus that He died for their sins. See, the purpose of Christ's sacrifice was to redeem people that people might be saved and positionally, hallelujah, set apart to God. Woo! What a great passage. I love that. 
I want to thank you so much for tuning in this afternoon. Um, you know, I've been enjoying this study in Hebrews, and I hope you are too. Next week, we're going to continue on in uh, chapter 10. You know, until we see each other, I just ask you to stay safe, practice good hygiene, stay studied up in God's Word, eat well, get some exercise, whatever you do. Get out there, get some exercise. And whatever you do, give God all the glory and the praise and the honor that is due His name. Brothers and sisters, I hope that I see you all real soon. And may God bless you as we continue to walk this journey uh, together until he returns. God bless you and have a great rest of the day.